0: If you have your Bibles, I will kindly ask that you take your Bibles with me. And let's turn to Luke chapter 5. We are going to read from verse 17 to verse 25 of Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to verse 25. You will read with me. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on top of the roof and lowered him on his mat through the ties into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, "'Friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Amen. You know, John Dickerson, in his word, John S. Dickerson, in his book that he wrote, The Great Evangelical Recession, he said in this book, that the evangelical church as we know it is taking a dive. He said so the church is taking a dive and there's a trend. He said the church as we know it before is not the same church today because there are trends that is happening in the church that is causing the church to take a dive. And so he considered himself As the man, as a prophet, that is blowing the trumpet and warning the church and encouraging the church and bringing the church back to the place where the church is supposed to be. He's saying that the church needs to revamp itself. The church needs to re-examine itself and reposition itself so that the church can take the challenges that is happening in the church today. And in his discussion, in his book, He said this. He said leaders who do not position themselves as part of the advance will be victims of the evangelical recession. Leaders who do not position themselves as part of the advance will be victims of the evangelical recession. That means he's saying that leaders of the evangelical church need to reposition themselves because of this trend. That is why for the weeks, this few weeks, we'll be talking about the trending now, Christ and the culture. The trending now, Christ and the culture. Two Sundays ago, my friend and my brother, Jameson, spoke about the celebrity culture as one of the trends. And last week, Sunday, Brother Reed spoke about technology and the social media as another trend. Today, I want to talk about the the world that is concerned about good deeds without the gospel. The world that is concerned about good deeds without the gospel. Because I want you to know that the argument has been there before. The trend of good deeds without the gospel has been an argument that has been there. And many Christians and followers of Jesus has taken the wrong trend of just having the good deeds without the gospel. And they think it is Okay. But I want you to know that in the generation that we are living, it has even become so worse that people think we should only do the good works and just allow the gospel to figure itself out within our good work. And there is a reason behind this. But those that practice this notion that hold this argument have three misguided notions. Three misguided notions, and we want to look at those three misguided notions this morning that has carried them on the other side of the pendulum. The first thing is that our God, our good deed is born out of a need. So the gospel is preached by our action. Our good deed is born out of a need. So the gospel is preached by our action. You see, they believe that what they are doing is born out of, you know, it's a it's a need, and so that's the gospel. When we read verse 18 of Luke Gospel, chapter 5, verse 18 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When we read this verse in verse 18, we realize that there was a need. This man saw a need, and the need in this context was there was a paralyzed man. The paralyzed man was a need. They saw that this man needed something. Something needed to happen. And so, therefore, it was that need that prompted them to take this paralyzed man to bring him to Jesus. But you see, this man did not only say, because there's a need, and so therefore, let us do the need and leave it in a vacuum and allow our action to speak for itself. No. They did not do that. But the argument today is that, you know, we are doing our good works out of need. So let our actions, let those actions speak the gospel. But as we see in the context of the Bible, there was a need equally. But they did not limit themselves only to that. And I also want to give you an example in our own context in Sierra Leone that we have needs equally. For example, there was a need in this village. They needed water. Drinking water was a big need in this village. And the women will wake up very early in the morning by four in the morning and they will walk miles to go and get water. And they will bring the water back home and they will use that water for the day. And then in the evening, they will walk again about five miles to go and get water. There was a need in that community. We identify the need with the community. We realize that this is the need. And when we realize that need, we realize that because of this need, the gospel will be preached. Because there's a need. So we came into the community and we brought them well. They needed the natural water. But we know that if we love them as we love our neighbors, then definitely they also needed the spiritual water. We brought in the well. So they did not walk five miles again. There was well right in the middle of the village. But you know what? By bringing that need and attending to that need, we also brought another need that they did not know about because it was a Muslim village. They did not know about the need of the living water. And so we brought the natural water, which is good, but we also brought the living water, which is more powerful, that will last to eternity. So by attending to the physical need, we also brought the spiritual need. In the gospel, there was a need. The man was paralyzed. But yet the argument of many of Christians today is that let's just attend to the need. We would have done that in the village. We bring the well and we put the well in the village and say, thank you very much. You have a well now. You can drink the well and the well can speak for itself. It can speak about the gospel. We are gone. That way, we never speak about the gospel because the world don't know Jesus. (laughs) The second misguided notion that people, that many Christians have followed is that our good deed is born out of love. So let the gospel be seen rather than spoken. Our good deed is born out of love. So let the gospel be seen rather than spoken. In verse 18b, in the same verse when you look at it, you find out that this paralyzed man, they loved him, it, it, it was not only out of a need, it was out of love equally. They saw the need. But you see, you can see a need, but if you are not moved by love, you cannot do anything about it. This man, in this context, saw the need, the man was paralyzed. And when we read verse 18, they said, and the man... They tried to take him into the house, or lay him before Jesus. They saw the need, but they loved the man, and therefore, they took the man. But you see, this man did not say, well, we loved him, we saw the need, we love him, and so therefore, you know, let our love speak the gospel. The man will know that we love him, let that speak the gospel for itself, they did not argue that way, as many Christians have argued in the century, and we are arguing today, so that we cannot speak the gospel. Let me tell you, there was, we loved a community so much. They had a need, but yet that need that they had was propelled by the love we had for that community, and we did something. Let me tell you what we did. This community is a community. It was a full Fulani community. Those who know about tribes in the world, the Fulani tribe is one of the unreached tribes in the world, one of the most difficult tribes to reach with the gospel. The Fulanis have a slogan. They say, any Fulani that comes to know Jesus will not live to see the sunlight. Any Fulani that will come to know Jesus will not live to see the sunlight. When we saw their community, we realized that there was a need for school. But you know, we were touched by the love of God, and we love the people, and so we decided to bring a school in the community. I want you to know, as we brought the school in the community, this school, even though we love the people, but we love them, as Jesus has asked us, that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. We love ourselves. We love ourselves so much that we had to fall down before Jesus so that He will love us, so that He will forgive us. So we decided if we love our neighbors, which are the Fulanies, and we love them to give them school, then we love them enough to bring salvation to them. And so as a result, we did not say, Hey, we have built the school. School, you can speak for yourself. Building, speak for yourself. No, this community would never have known Jesus. But today, if you go to the same community that was restricted, today you will see that there are so many other churches that have been planted around that community because the school went in there. And today we have full and believers, full and Christians that are following Jesus, full and pastors that are preaching the gospel. Why? Because we loved them so much that we did not only give them a school, but we gave them Christ. It is so important for us to know. But there's also a third misguided notion. And the third misguided notion is that our good deed is born out of commitment. So the good news can only serve as a backup role. Our good deed is born out of true commitment. So the good news can only serve as a backup role. That is what the argument is. But when we read verse 19 of chapter 5 of Luke's gospel, it says... When they, could find, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat, threw the ties into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. These men, they saw that indeed there was a need. They loved their friend so much that they took this paralyzed man. But you see, they were also committed so much. When they came and they realized there was crowd and they could not get to Jesus, they did not say, you see what? Let's just leave this guy here. Let's go back home. But they were so much committed, they went on top of the roof. Can you imagine that kind of commitment? They went on top of the roof and they started removing the ties from the roof. That showed they were so committed. And they lowered the man down in front of Jesus. They were committed enough. But yet they did not say, well, we are so committed. So therefore, the gospel should take the back seats. It should take the back row. Speaking the gospel should take the back seat." Christ has seen our commitment. The people have seen our commitment. Even our paralyzed friend has seen our commitment. That is enough. They did not do that. Let's see also in saying we are committed enough to go to villages and towns and bring medical things to their attention. We are committed enough to take to go to villages. When you ride on some of those roads, you will imagine whether you are going to the end of the world. Because some of the roads, they are so bad that you, your whole vehicle will get lost in the hole. But let me tell you, we still travel all these tough roads, all these tough terrains. We go there because we are committed enough. We are committed enough. Not only to show love and to attend to the need, but we are committed enough to bring the gospel to them. And in many of these villages and towns where we have taken medical teams, I want you to know today, it was not only they were attended to physically, they were healed by the medicine, but their soul was also healed by the gospel of Jesus. Their souls were also healed by the gospel of Jesus so the argument that, you know, we are committed enough, so the gospel should take a back road, I want you to know it's a misguided notion. There are three reasons why people do the things they do, why they follow this misguided notion. Three reasons. One of the reasons is that people follow this misguided notion out of fear. They are afraid. Maybe we'll be rejected. What if they don't listen to us? You know, what if they say, no, 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 we don't want this? What will happen? Out of fear but I want you to know when you read the Bible one of the things I love the Bible about is that when you read the Bible you have 365 fear not in the Bible the word fear not fear not we have 365 of that word fear not in the Bible and geographically speaking we have 365 days in the Bible in, in, the, in the calendar 365 days in the calendar And so therefore, God puts the word fear not, fear not, 365 times, and he gave us 365 days so that every day when you wake up in the morning, you must take one fear not tablet. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is fear not. As I go to work today, fear not. As I do my business today, fear not. As I face the enemy today, fear not. As I go out to bring the gospel, fear not. We must take, even before you take the medicine that the doctors have prescribed for you, I want to make a new prescription. Take your fear, not tablets in the morning. (laughs) Out of fear, the second reason why people have this misguided notion is because they lack faith or they have very small faith. They lack faith or they have very small faith. Many people lack faith. And so therefore, they want to do these good works. But they lack faith in the God that they serve. They underestimate the God that they serve. They limit the power of the God that they serve. They think their God is a small God. He cannot do anything. But I want you to know that you are serving a big God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. For they that come to him must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The God that we serve is not a small God. it's a mighty God. It's a big God. You need to step out in faith, and the rest belongs to him. Jesus says, if we have even a small faith like a mustard seed, we can say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. If we do not doubt in our heart, we shall receive what we ask for. So we need faith as small as the mustard seed. We need that faith. The second thing that stopped them from doing that is that many people just like to follow the crowd. They follow the trend. Following the trend. That's the third reason. Some people just follow the trend. Where this is what everybody is doing now, let us follow. They don't ask, they don't re- look at the scripture, they just follow the trend. Where this is what is happening, this is what everybody is doing. So you know what? Let us just follow the trend. But I want you to know. That we must not be following the trend. Occasionally we must leave the path, the plain path and go into the bush. You are sure of finding a path that no one has found before. So we must not only swallow wholly and follow the trend. These people in the Bible would have said, let's follow the trend. But they did not follow the trend. That is why I love what James Emery White says in his book. As he was talking about Tom Shue, as he was talking about Tom Shue, James Emery White had this to say in his book. And let's say, he said, we should lock lock eyes with the poor and the hungry, sex trafficked victims and the destitute. We should care for them deeply and serve them in the name of Christ. Because once this life is over, the life we gave them, we mean nothing compared to the food we gave for their souls. How tragic will it be to have compassion for the immediate needs of this life? but not the internal needs of a life to come. So yes, buy a pair of Tom's shoe. Just don't forget about Tom. Just don't forget about Tom. It is so wonderful to buy the Tom's shoe. Don't forget about Tom. And that leads also to the action. What should we do now? What should be the action that should be taken so that we can go against the trend that is happening? Two actions. The first action that needs to happen is that our good work must be born out of intentionality for the good news to be preached. Our good work must be born out of intentionality for the good news to be preached. The Bible makes it very clear when we see in the Bible in verse 20, it says, Luke five twenty, when Jesus saw their faith, 28, when Jesus saw their faith, when the men came down the roof, when they came down from verse, uh, chapter 20, uh, 5, verse 20, when they came down the roof, Jesus did not see the need that they had. Jesus did not see the love. He did not see their commitment. What Jesus saw was their faith, He saw their faith. So, I want you to know as we do these good deeds, it must be backed up with the gospel. This man had faith in Christ Jesus, and so they tried to proclaim that faith in Christ Jesus. I believe the Bible did not tell us the whole of the story, but this is my imagination that this man came down and they said, Jesus, we believe in you. We have faith in you. We know you can do this. That's why when we saw the need, when we love this man so much, we are committed enough to. Get to you because we know that if we get to you, you can do it. And Jesus saw the faith of the man. And Jesus acted on the faith of this man. This should be our action. As followers of Jesus, as believers in Christ Jesus, our action should be intentionality that is born out of the desire to see the gospel preached. We must be faith focused. Jesus saw the faith of the man. And it was the faith of the men that moved Jesus into action. Jesus will see your faith as you go to those villages, in those countries, in your community. Jesus will see your faith. And let me tell you, when he sees your faith, in the good things that you are doing, serving the poor, clothing the poor, giving well to the poor, Jesus will see your faith and Jesus will meet you at that point of faith. And then Jesus will magnify what you are doing in the ears of the people, in their hearts, and the people will come to know Jesus. Because with Jesus, all things are possible. He is the impossibility specialist. He's the only one who specializes in impossibility. It is very important. The second action that we need to do we should it's not only be intentional, but it is also very important that our good deeds must be born out of the desire of sin people being saved. Our good deeds must be born out of the desire of sin people be saved, sins forgiven. When you read from verse 20 to verse 25, the Bible said when Jesus saw their fate, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blaspheming? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God, praising God. So in other words, our good deed must be born with the intention that, you know, salvation will come. We must be salvation focused as we do our good works. We must be salvation focused. We must have that at the back of our mind. That we are doing this so that, you know, salvation will come. The Bible says Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees started to argue, who is this man? who can forgive sins. Jesus said, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sin. I am the only one, that's what Jesus was saying, that have authority, not only to heal the body, not only to see the faith, but I also have the power to forgive the sin so that salvation will come into the life of this man. So that this man will not only be healed, but this man will have relationship with me, and when he die, he will go to heaven. There will be eternity. That's what Jesus was saying. He's the only one that has authority. I don't care which book you read, I don't care which school of thought you belong to, I don't know the theology that you have, but I want you to know I know a man, his name is Jesus, he's the only one that has the power in heaven and on earth to transform, to change he's the only one he is the only one I don't know of any other one. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that your Jesus, my Jesus, our Jesus is Lord. He's the only one that has the power. And it is so important for us to know this. It is so important. It is important for us to know that we should have the desire of seeing people saved and sins be forgiven. We must be salvation focused. Even as I conclude, I want to talk about what Emory White said. He was quoting C.S. Lewis. And this is what C.S. Lewis said. And Emery White was quoting C.S. Lewis. He said, the New Testament contains what can only be called embarrassing promises of what our lives can unleash through prayer, faithfulness, and action. The problem is that most of us don't pray to that God. We don't embrace his vision. We don't believe in those promises. It is as if we have decided on a lesser God and as a result likely to accept the least of prediction from a radical pessimist than we are to embrace the promises of Jesus. So we come full circle. The men of Issachar didn't simply understand the times. They took that understanding and began to formulate what to do. They began to formulate what to do. I want you to know today that we are serving a great God. We are serving a God who has not changed. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. That God has never changed. He still carries power. He's an intercontinental God. He can do anything. He has the power to use the ordinary man. He has the power to do it. What he has done in the past, he can do now. So we need to do something to change his strength and to bring the glory to God. Paul, writing to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1 1, he says, Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. A hope that speaks to our salvation and the assurance that God's Kingdom and purpose will prevail a hope that speaks to our assurance. I want you to know, I am a happy camper because I know there's Christ inside of me. The Bible says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And no weapon fashioned against me shall prosper because I I believe in God and I stand upon his promises. I want to encourage you today there's one thing you can do as you do your good works. Let Christ be seen. Be intentional that people will have faith. Be intentional that people will be saved. So that when your time on this earth is over and you get to heaven, there will be an internal dividend waiting for you in heaven. That is what I am living to do. And that is what I want you to live to do. And we must change the trend so that the gospel of Jesus will march on. Because the church is a bride of Christ and the church is a hope for the world. And Jesus is that hope for the world. I want you to join me this morning as we try to change the trend and bring the gospel of Jesus to our communities, to our families. Everywhere we go, even in this dying world, they will deny you, they will reject you, but Christ will not deny you. He said to his disciples, I will be with you to the very end of the age. He is here, he is with you, he will always be with you if you stand upon the promises and if we turn the trend around and make his name be glorified. Can you stand with me please as we pray? You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. My God you are more than what people say. You are the king of Kings. Lord of Lords you are more than what people say. You are the king of Kings. Lord of Lords you are more than what people say. You are more than what people know. You are more than what people know. You are more than what people know, Jehovah. You are more than what people know. You are the king of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than what people know. You are the king of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than what people know. You are more than what people think. You are more than what people think. You are more than what people think, my God. You are more than what people think. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people think. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people think. Father, you said in your word that we that dwell in the secret place of the High we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, he is our refuge and our strength. Our God in whom we trust. Surely you shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Father, you said that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and we that dwell therein for you have founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart, who has only turned his soul unto vanity, no son deceitfully, he shall receive the blessings of the Lord. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, O everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is a King of glory. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, O everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob, he is the King of glory. Father, we pray for your courage today. We pray for your strength today. That we will stand upon the promise of God. We pray for an increase in our faith. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will use us in our homes, in our families, in our communities, in our place, in our business places. You will use us in our jobs as instruments of change. That we will be true witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in you. Father, this morning let your presence touch every heart. If there's anyone sick among us, we pray for your healing. Lord, Be with us, strengthen us, touch us, use us by your power. And Father, we promise you, as you bless us, as you use us, we will not touch your glory. Every glory belongs to you. Every honor belongs to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.